Hi everyone, welcome to the latest edition of Sobriety Unleashed with me, Simon. And me, Ellen, and today we are talking about parenting in sobriety, which I absolutely love this topic, Simon. I could talk about it for days and days and days. Um, And I think first it's really important to talk about how alcohol and drinking alcohol, how it affects our parenting skills. Um, Tell me about how your parenting was different when you were drinking compared to now that you're sober. Yeah, it was such a huge shift. And I think the biggest thing when I was drinking was that my mood would would shift also. And I think my son found me to be a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde character. So I've just got one son. And when I quit, I think he was about 13 or 14 years old. And you know, right up until I quit, I was drinking every single day. And definitely in the evenings, I would find that he'd retreat to his bedroom. He would often be, I don't want to use the term feel unsafe, but I I don't think he was sure which version of me he was going to get. And that obviously created a worry for him. He didn't open up about a lot of stuff to me. And that was one of the biggest changes after I quit was it took a bit of time, but noticing how he was able to be vulnerable and open with me. And he started talking about things that he had never spoken before, things like sexuality and other challenges that he was facing as a teenager that he really hadn't ever gone there before. And I can only put that down to the fact that he felt safer to do that around me. It was an incredible experience and it still is to this day. And then wanting to spend more time with him. When I was drinking, I just, I wanted to be with booze. Alcohol came first and I didn't, I didn't have the time for him. And sometimes I'd listen, but I didn't really hear him. I was just, you know, my head was away thinking about red wine all the time. So, yeah, there's, there's some of the biggest changes, but there were a lot, a lot more subtle changes as well. I think around patience and sort of just being a bit calmer and able to deal with challenging situations better. What about you? Yeah, well, I mean, I was completely sucked into that whole mummy wine culture, completely like, oh, I wanted to get the kids. Like you said, I put alcohol above the kids. I just believe that whole culture of I deserve to treat myself with wine, the stress of parenting. And of course, it wasn't the stress of parenting, really. It was the fact that drinking alcohol had so many knock on effects. I was fatigued all the time, which then, as you say, that affected my mood, my energy levels, um, like how I was with them during the day, if I was irritable with them, how patient I was. So many knock-on effects. It's like the butterfly effect of sobriety, isn't it? All of a sudden you see all these changes and the kids see the change. My kids were that much younger. So uh, Oliver would have been six, six, eight and, and 10 maybe they were when I gave up alcohol. And so Anais reminds me, oh, reminds me, she knows that I was drinking. Um, Eliza, not so much. Oliver doesn't really know me as someone that drinks. However, I do see them around people who drink. And just like you say, they can sense that mood. As someone who's sober now, I see that energy shift in people and how people suddenly, they lose an awareness of personal space and their mood changes very quickly. And I can't imagine as a child how that must be for that one person that you're looking for to be the safe place. If your energy shifts, how that must feel to them. Yeah, it's it's so difficult, I think, for yeah, for a kid to to rationalise it, understand it. Yeah, completely. And in fact, we I think I said the other day we were watching someone and we could see her, her that she'd been drinking. And my nine year old said, oh, it's like 
when you add alcohol, people's emotions can switch just like really quickly. Yeah, that's a really good observation because that's exactly what happens when you're drinking. And of course, to start off with, I thought that I was fun and I was louder and possibly they liked that version of me. I don't know. But then, yeah, my mood would become much, much shorter with them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. That really resonates with me, what you shared there. The, and I, I often look back at my photos on my phone. And actually, I was looking a, a couple of weeks ago and I found a picture of my son and he must have been about six and we were at a wedding and he had a pint of beer in his hand that I'd given him. And I'd said to him, I'll take a sip and I'll take a photo because it's all so funny. Yeah. And I used to often do that. And I, I actually think it was a way of kind of justifying my behaviour. But looking back at it now, it was like I was grooming him to be the next big drinker. Oh, absolutely. And I shared a photo to um, my group chat the other day of my daughter when she was about six months old and my brother holding a pint to her lips and like nearly everybody in there said we've got similar photos and again on my Facebook memories came up and it was us camping the adults all with beers and the children all with shandies and I remember being in um, a mother and toddler group and the woman was reading the story and she said to the kids "Um, what's your favorite drink and my three-year-old at the time said oh gin and tonic and I was like no 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 she's only joking and the woman But Anais was going, no, no, mum, it's gin and tonic. I love gin and tonic. And of course, we were doing exactly the same. But it's what was done to me. I knew no different of here we are. We're having our gin and tonic. You have a gin and tonic. Of course, it wasn't gin in it, but she didn't know any different. And it was just building that belief that I had that as soon as you get to adulthood, you start drinking. Now I'm horrified that that's what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. And it is such a learned behaviour. And one of the clients I do some one-to-one coaching with um, was actually telling me that he used to say to his daughters, you, you can have a, I think they're about 12 and 10, and he would let them have a small glass of wine with their dinner. Yeah. And he and his wife kind of brought this topic up. They introduced it. They thought, well, if they're going to drink, we might as well you know, be around when they're doing it. And I hear a lot of people saying that, that, well, at least we're in, we've got some level of control. And, then he came to sobriety and quit drinking and stopped doing that. And he said to me recently, do you know what? They haven't mentioned it. They're not interested in it. Uh, and it's really, you know, I think it's, it's us that are more fussed about it and kind of almost ramming it down their throat. Yeah, we want it to be normal. We want them to feel like they're part of the party, I think. I um, And I was just as good. My kids, as I said, they're not very old now. So, and I've been alcohol-free for nearly four years. So they were really little when I was giving them wine and water at the dinner table it's exactly what my parents did with me we thought it was what the French did like this was the the whole culture isn't it really sophisticated the kids have wine and water at the table um but actually no it's just terrible and they're pure little bodies that you know and we're adding this poison to them exactly that and uh, you know he was really surprised like oh they you know they didn't they didn't ask, they haven't asked for no. it you know they no. thought they'd be on at me for this wine and actually he was the one who was sort of more interested in it so as always we're um streaming live on youtube i can see um ashley ashley was away last week she wasn't she was. On, was she? yeah no <laughs> linda's here and ashley said when we attribute alcohol to our wind down there is a monkey on the back until until the itch is scratched and what might interfere with that free time becomes a kind of nuisance yeah that's absolutely true and you just don't have time for your kids either you don't I used to take my kids to their activities in the evening and then I would get them home and straight on the sofa with a glass of wine like oh that marks the end of my day 
now it's different I looked at my life and was like I've got the kids doing all these activities that I can't join in with well how about if we do activities that we can all do together oh sure they go and do some things themselves but now it's things that we can interact and spend time doing things that we love all together it's completely different and I think one of the big blocks on that same topic of activities is when you're at the point where you're still drinking uh, I kind of hate to say it but those activities seem kind of boring and and you think oh I'd rather just stay home and drink and then there's this sort of transition period where the kind of color comes back into life and those things start to regain their the excitement and the joy that they used to have but it can take a little while for that to happen it can but it does I I kind of describe it as stepping outside and seeing the sunlight for the first time you're like oh the world has opened up but it does take a little while first kind of got to get through the what feels like pain of getting rid of alcohol for it to open up just be patient it will come yeah totally one of the things not long after I quit I I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve as you well know and I was really open with my son around what I was doing and I I think it's important to keep this age appropriate you know if you've got a five-year-old you're probably not going to say to them that alcohol's perhaps become an issue and you don't want to drink anymore but I was pretty open with my son and he it was quite funny he decided that on the day I said I was going to quit he said well look if you're not going to drink alcohol anymore I'm not going to drink fizzy drinks anymore and he made that commitment and I must admit he does drink them again now but he went a really long time where he just didn't have these drinks but it really helped me to feel like he was on side he was excited about it he was motivated too Uh, and a lot of people say to me oh should I talk to my kids and they kind of hold back and my answer is absolutely yes they can be your biggest supporters they can they can be great accountability um partners but also the more we talk about it the more normal it becomes I talk about it with my kids all the time and in fact um my ex-husband used to say don't listen to your mum she's a hypocrite she used to be the biggest drinker she used to love it and I was I'm not a hypocrite I just know different now I did love my drinking days But now I just think what a waste of time, what a waste of my health, my energy, my time, my money. Um, And if I can help them have a different relationship with alcohol, then great. But they absolutely they say to people, they'll they'll say to people and their friends will say like, oh, what does your mum drink? What can we bring round if it's friends, parents? And and they're, oh, no, my mum's a sobriety coach. She doesn't drink anything. Uh, So they'll say it for me. I don't need to. But they're definitely they can be your biggest cheerleaders. And the the more we talk about it, the more normal it becomes. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I also, I did feel a bit of kind of guilt when I look back at the way I'd behaved in the past. And I kind of squared that with myself by recognising that actually, I didn't know then what I know now, a bit like what you were just saying. And I was doing the best I could with what I knew at the time. You know, alcohol was my coping mechanism. I didn't have any other coping mechanisms. And thankfully, I've now discovered plenty. But I think it's important to address that that feeling of guilt or shame that can come up when we look back. And I often get people whose children are, well, they're not children anymore. They're in their (coughs) 20s, 30s, 40s, and they think, well, I've, I've, da- I've done the damage, the damage is done. What do you think about that? I get so many people who say like they're in their 60s or 70s and their kids are grown up and oh, the damage is done, it's too late. 
do you know what? I don't think it's ever too late to be a great role model. Your children, if they see you take control of something that's controlled you for so long and change your behavior, what can be better than that? Showing them that in later life, you can make a change. So exactly the same. Kids replicate what we do. They don't replicate what we say. So it's so important to, to show them that you can make a change. Yeah, totally. I, I will never, ever forget. I was, I, I'd gone to Colorado and Annie Grace had invited me to America. Mm-hmm. And this was like a massive thing for me. I was spending a week with her learning how to become a sobriety coach. And I was talking to her about kids. And um, it was a time when my son was exploring gender and sexuality. And I was, and she said those words to me. And I will never forget them. You know, kids do what we do not what we tell them to do. Yeah. And it just stuck in my head so much because I was sort of trying to control a particular situation and trying to sort of tell him what to do yeah. um, as opposed to showing him the way. And actually the biggest demonstration of that is with alcohol because just like your kids, my son's just not interested in it. No, and we have we have conversations with it and it's really interesting when they're around other drinkers because they'll bring it up, the kids will, and why are you doing that? Um, and with what we've been through as a family in the last few years, but in the last year for sure, uh, lots of people have said, oh, God, do you not regret that you, the fact that you don't drink? I bet you wish you, had, you could have a drink now. No, I want to show you the kids, you know what? We can do hard things. We can feel hard feelings and there are different ways to cope with it other than turning to alcohol. I can't imagine having navigated this adding alcohol to the like fuel to the fire with it and also the kids need to see that it's okay there's other ways to cope there's other things that we can do to get through it and some days are bad and we can cry and we can shout and we can be angry but then we know that things are going to get better Um, and I as a role model that's really really important and to keep on talking with them dialogue all the time yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, when, and also like re- reflected, like when you're in the midst of a difficult situation, actually sort of re- looking back at it, reflecting on it, or even when you're in it, thinking how much worse if you added alcohol into the mix, like you just said. Yeah. Like I've, I've had a couple of sort of anxiety inducing things going on recently. And I think, blimey, if I was drinking as well, how much worse would this be? Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about it um, with kids self-harming. I'm very, very open with the children. I really feel that uh, things feel shameful if we don't talk about it. And self-harming with the kids, with the internet, it just seems to be this biggest thing. And I do say like, that's because children can't cope with, with their feelings. If we learn to talk and um and get them out there and we learn different ways to cope then hopefully these things won't happen you just have to have a safe space to go to uh, and yeah your daily routine needs to include being proactive about your self-care and managing your emotions yeah i couldn't agree more um oh there's a few comments ashley said simon it's lovely that your son supported you and you're now a role model to him and that life without alcohol is worth living um Jeanette said I enjoy listening to your personal stories of sobriety I'm sober now and every day I give thanks for being sober thanks for your podcast I'm watching from the island of Newfoundland in Canada oh no I I bet it's cold there there. no not at the moment it's still summer it will be cold there though yeah I bet it's cooler than here it's like 34 degrees here today yeah 41 here today uh, and fires starting all around us so bring on the rain yeah it would be nice to have some rain yeah 
Yeah, and um, Jeanette actually said it's so true. I'm in my 60s and I want to be an inspiration to my grown adult children and my friends too. And Yeah, in your 60s, all of a sudden, like sobriety opens the world up and you start doing things that you definitely like on your bucket list that you want to do and people will start seeing the real you. It's such an inspiration. I've worked with quite a few people who are over the age of you know, 55, 60 and they've got adult children, they think that that they won't kind of inspire their kids Mm -hmm. by quitting drinking. And it actually transforms the relationship. You know, they they remove alcohol from their lives. Suddenly they start talking to their adult children about it who say, actually, I've been a bit worried about how much I've been drinking. And before you know it, the adult the adult kid is decided to make a change too. And I've yeah. seen that happen loads of times. Yeah, yeah, me too. What do you hope will be your son's relationship with alcohol? And do you talk about it? Yeah, we do talk about it. And some, like, sometimes we'll go to a family barbecue and he might have a, a little shot of alcohol. And I've never, I've never forced my views on him. I've never pushed it. And on the couple of occasions where he's done it, he's like, that is disgusting. I wish I hadn't had it. It's made me feel tired. Um, So he very much kind of notices it. And I suppose if I had a wish, I would, it would be that he didn't drink, but I'm definitely not going to force that view on him. I know that he's pretty well set up for success around understanding the pros and cons he's definitely not drinking like I was drinking at he's 17 now yeah oh my goodness when I think back to that age of I, I was well into my drinking days by then yeah I was like half a bottle of wine a day easily by then yeah yeah um absolutely I talk about about it with my eldest who's 14 and again my drinking my relationship with alcohol had well started by then and I was already in the pubs but definitely drinking on the streets in the UK um and she kind of she sees people her friends that who are a bit older and, and kind of says oh it does look fun and I'm like yeah it's fun to start off with but it's where that kind of tips so we've be, we've been talking recently about like how do you see your relationship with alcohol looking and she's like well what do you mean so well when do you want to drink because I wish that I was more mindful about it because I can't remember when the balance tipped and it was like a social thing and then all of a sudden it wasn't social because I was on my sofa every day having a, a bottle of wine um, and it just turned me completely boring and antisocial actually and she's like oh I don't know so there's I'm like well just be mindful of it going forward do you want to drink in the house on your own do you want to do this do you want um so we do talk about it a bit my thing is of course their parent uh, their father suffers with mental health problems and I'm you need to be very very careful at that you're not self-medicating with alcohol that if you're feeling depressed if you're feeling down you go and get help for it rather than like find help in the bottom of the bottle yeah exactly it's really wonderful that you actually have those conversations and I think I'm going to do that I'm going to say to my son what what do you think your relationship with alcohol will look like as you as you go forward in five ten years time how do you want it to look yeah well we never thought I I never thought through the consequences of drinking so it's it's kind of exciting to say like you can drink if you want to drink you know the pros and cons you know that I don't drink you know your dad's relationship with alcohol um, and you can see people around you when they drink what happens to them but how do you see that looking in five years time if you start drinking 
it's an interesting question yeah it really is i mean and it's a again it's a classic example of kids doing what we do not what we tell them to do and i think when you quit drinking you inevitably equip them with a whole bunch of tools for going into adulthood yeah 100 percent um any other comments let's have a look Linda said it's fuel to the fire. That's exactly how Chinese medicine looks at alcohol. It it frees the body up. Jeanette said it's cold today, but we had 34 last week. This is in Canada. Nice. My cousin, my my brother's in Vancouver for five weeks, which I'm so jealous. He's what? Sorry. He's he's in Vancouver for five weeks. He's one of the biggest drinkers. And I, again, how do you feel? I mean, your son's a bit older. My kids are younger and seeing them around people who are drinking, it makes me slightly uncomfortable now. Whereas I was there, I was that person that was drinking, drinking, drinking. And so there is no judgment, but it's something that I have to learn to let go control of. And I, yeah, I just, I don't like my kids being around people that are drinking to the extent where their personality really changes and they can see that happening. I don't know. Yeah, I must admit, I, it makes me a bit edgy as well. And I suppose it's it comes back to sort of boundary setting and whether you choose to have an alcohol-free house or not. If you've got, you know, if your brother was visiting, it's, yeah. it is a tricky one. I know what you mean. It definitely gives me a twinge of anxiety when there's that shift when people have been boozing for ages. Yeah, 100%. And I, it, is how other people talk about alcohol as well. Again, can't protect them. I can't wrap them up in bubble wrap, but pe- people are so kind of pro booze. Um, oh, of course you want to drink and oh, I'll take you to the pubs. If your mum doesn't drink, I'll take you out drinking when you're older. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Or we could not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. My son started an apprenticeship at a software company a few months ago and they've got a summer barbecue coming soon. And actually the first thing I thought when he said, oh, I've been invited to this barbecue, and I thought, oh, please don't go and get drunk and make a fool of yourself in front of all of these people that, you know, you're doing so well in this job. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the sort of thing that I used to do. You know, end up being sick in the toilets. Yeah, I wasted my my 18th birthday. Um, I was sick nonstop. And actually, it was the, the my party was the day before. Um, and I went out for big family lunch on my 18th birthday and I was sick nonstop and they had to take me home. I didn't eat anything. I was sick all the way to it. They had to pull over on the side of the motorway for me to be ill. Like everyone was laughing. It was great. Oh, look at her. Well, actually, my dad died when I was 19. So I missed one of my birthdays with him um, because I was too busy with a hangover. Yeah, looking, exactly. looking back now, I just think what a waste. Yeah, what a waste of a memory. Yeah. Is, well, on Christmas just gone actually we well I run another business and we we went out for the, the traditional work Christmas do to an Italian restaurant and there's a lad there who's he's he's pretty young I'd still consider him a kid although he's you know he's over 18 and some of the others exactly what you said had taken him to the pub first and he'd probably had three or four pints and we're all in this classy Italian restaurant and he he went to the toilets because he was really drunk. He didn't even make it and he was sick, like in the corridor between the restaurant and the toilet. And he ended up having to leave. And I just, I couldn't help but think, you know, how must he be feeling the next morning when he wakes up, you know, he's in front of his boss, the manager was there, yeah. all the team leaders, all of these people. And it just, I mean, it has never, it hasn't been mentioned since, but 
I imagine yeah, mine's in cringe. It is. Uh, I mentioned my cousin, who's possibly listening at the moment. Um, and we were we are a massive drinking family, uh, but at the family parties and weddings, um, my cousin in particular is he's so much younger than the rest of us. So there's 20 years between him and my brother, almost exactly. Um, and my brother's a huge drinker. My cousin is a huge drinker, but started so much early because he was trying to keep up with the older cousins. And I remember being at a, um, a wedding and I think he was 16 and being incredibly sick and kind of passing out and coming back and passing out and I remember a guy saying what's he taken what's he taken and us going no he's just been drinking (laughs) it's fine it's only alcohol he was like it's alcohol poisoning pretty much that he was having he was losing consciousness but I was so no it's only alcohol it's fine it's fine calm down wow yeah Yeah. it's crazy well if you're if he's listening then he's obviously um questioning his relationship oh yeah maybe (laughs) I don't think so I can see um, a few other comments. Um, Someone said, I tried sobriety, but it didn't work for me. Life without booze sucks. In this world, you really need a drink. I did enjoy your books. (laughs) Oh, I promise sobriety is the best thing that happens to you. You have to give it a chance and you really do. You know what alcohol leads to. Sobriety leads to a completely different path and a completely different view on life um maybe connecting in the groups uh yeah if you're here listening it's interesting that you have decided it's not for you yeah I th- and i think it it sucks when you when your mindset around it's not right if you've still got beliefs hanging around that alcohol is fun alcohol helps me relax and all yeah. of these things then i think that's where you think you're missing out on something so it's actually about kind of retraining your brain to really understand everything you gain when you remove alcohol from your life and then it's a yeah totally different and look and looking at everything you gain all the the evidence is there isn't it absolutely Uh, yeah if you feel deprived then it's just the mindset that you haven't been working on as you say there will be something that really really flips that switch but you got to kind of dig deep with it and do some work around your mindset what your beliefs are uh, and give it chance to build up new experiences and new beliefs what did you used to love doing before alcohol came into your life there would be something that used to light you up and used to make you belly laugh you just look at the kids and how they are without alcohol we do not need alcohol to feel joy and, and happiness yeah we all had a time in our life when we were happy without alcohol yeah yeah, even if it was when we were seven years old yeah I, I look at the kids and just think they are the role models like it's we flip it over and they are the ones aren't they that, that show us that we can absolutely feel so much joy without alcohol yeah totally that um Ashley said I don't know how I would approach the topic of alcohol with my kid but maybe I'll psychoanalyze the situation. Like, why do you think this person might be drinking, social anxiety, et cetera? Yeah, that, and we do that. We sit back. People watching is my favorite thing. And you look at them and like, what do you think's behind the drinking? Because it starts off fun, but normally there's another reason that it continues. Normally it's alcohol. It has, you're drinking to escape the, the problems that alcohol has caused. And I think one of the best things you can do in this, and not a lot of people who I offer this advice to actually do it, but I think be being vulnerable with your kid. Like again, it needs to be appropriate. And I'm not saying kind of admitting that you've got some enormous problem, but showing that it's okay to own 
yeah. to make mistakes and to, to then make changes. I, I was really vulnerable with my son. And I even went to him and said, look, I've realised that there's times when I've been a bad dad and I've let you down. I burst into tears and he was like, dad, it's, it's okay. It's okay. And he hugged me. Like brings up a lot of emotion now, just remembering that. But actually that was the start of the big shift where I think he saw me being vulnerable. So he realised he could be vulnerable. But I, I definitely think even being vulnerable to the extent of being able to talk about perhaps some of the reasons why you decided to move alcohol, remove alcohol from your life. Even if it's just to say, do you know what? It makes me really anxious when I drink um, yeah. or it makes me moody, whatever, just to own some of that stuff. Yeah, I, I've got clients who've got young children and they kind of, they say, oh, well, of course they don't know that there's any issue. So they probably won't ever know my journey with alcohol. And my advice would definitely, I always say, well, talk to them as they get older, just make it normal. Like, actually, I had a bit of an issue. It didn't agree with me because of X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. And so I took control by putting the work in, by taking control back. Like, you know, it is, as you say, when you're vulnerable and you show them a different way. I am with the kids here completely, completely open about everything. They see me cry. They see me get angry. They see me say, do you know what? I'm not OK today, but I will be tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's great power in that, teaching them, you know, you don't just hold all this stuff inside. It's OK to talk about it. But I think equally it's important that we're not looking for the for the, for them to parent us because okay. there can be that risk of actually i'm offloading all my problems onto you i want yeah. you to solve them for me yeah absolutely because that can be a toxic dynamic um linda said is it true that the french culture introduces their children to watered wine i think the theory is that it won't seem forbidden yeah, absolutely. So in uh, France, certainly it used to be the law, I think it still is, that if a child is sat at the dinner table, then they can have wine. Um, there is no lower age limit. And that was where my drinking came in. As I said, I used to sit with my parents and have watered down wine and my kids did exactly the same from tiny. As soon as they were sat at the table and they were able to drink, we would all pour our wine with dinner and they would have a slightly kind of very watered down version. Um, but it is the culture and you do see kids drinking from really young here. There is a thing that lads will sit down and they will have um, sweetened beer. They put syrup in their beer and they will have one and then they will leave. It is, um, I was sat with my American friend who was like, who sits and has one beer? I was like, well, the French do. However, the French have the highest number of alcoholics in the world. So don't be fooled into the French culture with alcohol is a safe culture because it's not. Yeah, and I think it, it's the same that work like in so many countries. Like when we went to Japan, I was surprised by on a Friday night, Saturday night, you know, there wasn't people out getting drunk. And then when I got back to the UK and started reading the stats, they've got one of the highest rates of alcoholism in the world, but they all do it behind closed doors because of the culture and the shame and all the rest of it. Yeah, I don't know what's the... Well, there isn't a better answer. The better answer is that we find a different way to have fun and different way to socialize yeah exactly that and i you know those kids who are just drinking one beer now you can imagine in five years time it will be yeah. four or five beers yeah my parenting technique basically is to keep my kids as busy and interested in, in other things that really do light them up um and i kind of very much get led by them what do they like what really interests them and hoping that basically they spend too much money on their activities and they haven't got enough time or money for alcohol going forward 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I've got. It is a funny one because with my son being 17, I mean, I, I remember the first time I got really, really drunk was at a wedding and I was about 14 and I, I couldn't even walk. I had to be carried to the car. Uh, and I, I sort of can't, I couldn't imagine him doing that or kind of going and spend, he just sort of hasn't got that type of lifestyle. But then, you know, there, there's a lot of kids that have those sort of big groups of friends and some of them are into drinking and they've sort of got that learned behaviour where, yeah, it could be a worry, can't it? Yeah, we were taking beers and cider to parties when we were 12. Like uh, if there was a house party, I, I remember it now hidden behind the sofa and we would all go behind the sofa and like have a swig of beer or a swig of cider. And yeah, touch wood. My kids aren't like that at the moment, but who knows? Who know, it, You are who you hang around with. So it really depends on the friends that they choose. Yeah, totally. But then again, they probably pick their friends based around what's going on inside of them, which then is a, that's a reflection of parenting, I suppose. Yeah. Also, there's that, I, th- I think there's been a bit of a shift around alcohol perhaps being a bit of, like, my parents' drug of choice. Yeah. A lot of yeah. kids vape. Definitely, definitely. I'm just thinking about um, how different my stress levels are with the kids now that I don't drink. It really is all that mummy culture that's been built up of dealing with your stress uh, of, of parenting. It is all a lie for anyone that's got small children. Alcohol just is adding fuel to the fire. Um, and hopefully, yeah, our youngsters are going to see it as something, a completely a shift. That is what mum and dad did. It's not what I'm going to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that mummy wine culture. Again, I've worked with a lot of people where they've, you know, that was kind of where things really began to escalate. You know, they dropped the kids off at school, round to a, one of the other parents' house in the afternoon, drinking wine in the sunshine in the garden. Yeah. And it just started creeping up and before yeah. they knew it. And parenting can feel very lonely. Um, nobody prepares you for the fact that when you become a mum, I'm only speaking from my point of view, um, I'm not sure if it's the same for dads. It becomes lonely. You're at the house with young children who are not that interesting to start off with. It feels incredibly lonely. And there's comfort in wine because you're not getting out or wine, whatever you're drinking. You're not getting out and and socializing. That comfort you're seeking is not there. It's with connecting with other people. So, yeah, don't get fooled by that. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And there's so many brilliant groups and places that you can go for connection. Yeah. yeah we're sort of spoiled for choice, where most people are. We are, absolutely. Uh, what else? Any other comments? Peter said, really good stream, such an important subject. Jackie said, children will always know. There was always a particular smell around my mum. Yep. They will always know. They... I look at the way my son looks when he's around drinkers and I can just see that, oh, I'm not quite sure what I'm getting here. It's a horrible thing to watch. I, I was there, like, again, no judgment because I was one of those people that thought it was brilliant. Um, but children thrive on routine and knowing what is going on in their lives. Stability, routine. And if you are not stable because of alcohol, then, yeah, where does that leave the kids? Yeah, and I think we all had that kind of boozy uncle who you know, had that smell going on and, you know, the young kids didn't want to go near whatever. Yeah, you know, not necessarily an uncle, but somebody. No, yeah, uncle tends to be the one. Yeah, and I can really relate to that. And, the, you know, they're sort of like the archetypal heavy drinker, aren't they? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
What else? All right. Someone, someone said, the, the same person who said life without alcohol sucks. Said, well, you've got some good info, Simon, but how are you going to live without wine? Well, I've done it for the last four years. And it's, life is so much better without it. So I'd recommend going back to the start of the podcast episodes and listening to the ones on false beliefs and limiting beliefs that can hold you back, listening to how it's transformed my life, Ellen's life, the life of hundreds, thousands of other people and really starting to do some work. Like Ellen said, the fact you're listening to this podcast says that that, that you're questioning that relationship and you need yeah. to keep looking. If you're on the stages of, look at the stages of change, you are out of that kind of pre-contemplation. You're obviously on the first stage of sobriety, whether you like it or not, the fact that you are here listening and, and contemplating it. Um, join the groups, get a coach, even if you decide that actually, yeah, okay, alcohol is for me, sobriety is not, maybe you need to do some more work around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it feels like maybe there's a, there's a bit of denial. There's some false beliefs going on. And once you get into the community and start connecting with other like-minded people, it all starts to shift. Yeah. Marty said, do you think the French have it right letting kids drink at a young age compared to America, whose age is 21? They look like they can get more wasted than the Europeans when the time comes. Yeah, I mean, there is that kind of, it's like the golden egg type thing, isn't it? When it's slightly out of reach and then you get it and you go like full, I think education and changing society's beliefs as a whole around alcohol is really important. I don't know, I'll be honest. Um, yes, it does seem that the French have a different opinion to alcohol. We don't have the binge culture quite so much here, but I also see so many people that are drinking from eight o'clock in the morning, half past seven in the morning uh, at, throughout the day and still buying their ciders. The, I live in rural France and there are so many heavy drinkers. I don't think they've got it right. I don't think the States have got it right either. What would you make the, the age of, if you were like a, the prime minister, what, what age of drinking would you set as the law? If I, no one's going to like this because my opinion on alcohol has changed so much. I would outlaw it. I wouldn't have it produced. I think it's all a massive con. I think that there is a, the big industry are just, and the governments want us to work hard and then they want to, want to poison us so we don't realise how shit life is. They don't want us going off and having opinions like somebody's making a huge amount of money from alcohol. We're not. And the consequences of alcohol use, not only personally, but socially, the amount of children that are coming from parents that have split up due to alcohol, the amount of domestic violence because of alcohol, the amount of road traffic accidents, people dying on the roads, kids dying on the roads because of alcohol. Why is this something that is socially accepted or not only socially accept accepted, but socially expected? It's crazy. So if I was ruling the world, that's what would happen. It wouldn't be a thing. Sorry. And it's, it's interesting because I think all the time that the profit from out the tax on alcohol outstrips the cost to the National Health Service. Yep. Nothing's going to change. No, there are people in power that make way too much money from it. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, Annie Grace talks about it in some depth in this naked mind about you know the big corporations, the money behind it, not believing the marketing myths and all the rest of it. It's it's an interesting topic when you get into it. It is, and 
will there be a shift like there was with the tobacco companies i don't know um with the marketing around alcohol it is it's awful to see how they market it still i think it see it's gone some of the way that tobacco went but actually my gut i don't think it's going to go like tobacco did no not in our lifetime anyway not definitely not in our lifetime but but think you know the cost of it it's expensive it's a very expensive habit now with everything going up i think more and more people are coming to sobriety especially as the stigma fades away yeah absolutely what would be your age of age of content that's the wrong word but what would be your age limit yeah i think uh, actually i'd probably join your um your party and um, <laughs> I, i'm probably with you actually I'd, I'd be a dry country yeah absolutely i think uh, honestly there is so much to life without poisoning yourself it just seems so silly yeah and the, the sheer volume of problems and social issues it causes yeah it's just not worth it no it's not it's a deal that's not worth doing no yeah and we've said it before if alcohol was invented today it wouldn't it wouldn't get past the test phase no it wouldn't let alone in the shops no yeah with pretty branding and yeah everywhere it really is um okay one more comment Jeanette said over my lifetime I tried moderation several times and at first it seemed like it was working but it didn't so now being sober is my superpower yeah everyone tries moderation it is part of the uh stages of change and it doesn't work it I don't know anyone that moderation has worked for, but no, I tried more, it for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to make sure. It just doesn't work. Moderation is the equivalent of like holding a heavy weight above your head and thinking I'm going to do this forever. Yeah. And then eventually it just gets too much and you put it down. Yeah. Uh, even those who are thinking they're drinking once a week, once a month, it, it takes up so much brain power when you're moderating. Like when, when will I coming? Uh, when, when's that once a week? When is that once a month? Oh, I'll, I'll do it more often. That's okay. This is in this month. Um, and that's in next month. It's just, yeah, it's a heavy weight to carry. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's decision, decision, decision. How much am I going to drink today? What time do I start? How much um, How much should I buy at the shop? Yep. Whereas when you quit drinking, it, yes, it's a big decision, but it's one decision. It is. And when that mindset flips, it is easy, easy, easy. Yeah, it is. And that's the thing. And if you're finding it tough, that's where looking at that mindset again is so important. Yeah. Okay, we're going to wrap up now, but we'll be back again next week. I think it's our 10th episode of season two next week. Yay. (laughs) So we'll see you all again very soon. Bye.